Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. Joining me for this edition of What's Next are Marcella Pontes, Noah Waxman, and Lucas Wertheim of Cactus. They're here to talk with us about a great topic, the evolution of bricks and mortar. Thanks for being here, gentlemen. And if you would introduce yourselves and Cactus a little further as we get underway. Sounds good. Good morning, Tim. My name is Lucas Wertheim. I'm one of the co-founders of Cactus and I'm head of technology and operations. And so all the teams that have to do with engineering, project management, product management, production, and general operations of the day-to-day -day work under my leadership. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Hi, team. Good morning. I'm Marcelo Pontes. I'm the head of architecture. I manage the team that tried to translate technology and brick and mortar and physical space to help to combine these things. And I'm one of the other co-founders of Cactus, too. And that leaves me. I'm Noah Waxman. Really pleased to be here. Thanks, Tim, for having us. I lead all things at Cactus related to strategy, so brand strategy, product strategy, and some sort of you know strategic consulting that we do. Cactus, by way of introduction of the company, is a business that the three of us started together. You can tell by our intros that we come from pretty different places. Me from brand, Lucas from tech, Marcelo from architecture. We started the company with a vision of the future that we shared, which is that digital spaces and products and experiences, all the things that we think of related to our devices, but also all of the sensors that are embedded in the spaces around us, our computers, et cetera, all those digital experiences and spaces will converge with physical spaces and experiences you know, IRL in the real, in the real world. That's essentially the thing that united us when we started the company, this belief that all things digital and all things physical will be merging together over the course of our professional lives. And yet the companies that we worked for earlier in our careers were very siloed and not able to deal with that convergence in what we call a native way, a convergence native way of thinking, right? So an architecture firm is phenomenal at thinking about humans interacting in physical space, interacting with the physical space, moving through spaces, what those spaces might mean or you know how they might be evocative. And similarly, digital designers, UX designers are great at making click-through journeys. But the places where those two things get muddy and get together and get, you know, in our argument is more than the sum of their parts. Neither type of traditional design firm is perfectly well suited to that. So that's Cactus. We're a group of architects, tech uh, designers and makers, you know, both coders and sort of the il more illustrative graphical side uh, and brand strategists and product strategist team members. And everyone essentially, especially now it's a digital remote workforce. We sit together on all projects. All of our teams are staffed with people across these different traditionally siloed disciplines. And we believe the result is something that's more than the sum of its parts. So it's products and experiences that may start in home on a device, may extend to a wearable, 
and will extend to a physical experience, whether that's entertainment or education or medical or fitness, et cetera, which we can talk about, then extend seamlessly back into digital space and, and then back again in a, sort of, in a sort of cycle. And that's the kind of stuff that really excites us. It's the kind of products and services we want to bring into the world and build brands that reflect that type of thinking. So that's us. That's Cactus. Okay. Well, that sounds like a great team and, and not only a great team, but a great concept too, and one that's very much needful in, in today's world. So great to be talking with you today. So here's my first question, uh, gentlemen. How can physical spaces become more like digital experiences and how can digital experiences make us more aware of our physical environments? Yeah, maybe I'll take that one first and then you guys jump in. I think the cool thing for us is when you can use the principles of design of one of those disciplines and apply it to the other. And some examples are, you know, entertainment venues, spaces, indoor, outdoor, for example, we all know from our regular lives that more and more people will actually pay for tickets to a museum or to an event or to an educational exhibit or a concert. And yet, Half the time they're there, they're there with their families and friends, but they're on their phones. They're trying to get the best picture. They're trying to communicate to the world about how cool what they're doing is, kind of share that through a digitally intermediated experience. And one of the things that we've been thinking a lot about recently is how you get people to have that digital layer of connection, be able to keep their phones, so to speak, in their pockets, enjoy the moment be with the people that are there physically with you, but still allow for sharing to a wider populace, you know, out there in the ether. So we've, we've done a couple of cool projects with this. One is for the color factory in New York city, where we built a system that allows for automated photography. So as you go through this really wild, interesting, colorful um, space, photography is happening in the background of you. And through fiduciary markers, we're able to sort where those pictures get sent. And after you leave, in fact, as you're still there, you're receiving access to imagery of you and your friends and your family, um, you know, with perfect lighting, with perfect focal length. And as a result, people get to go have the time of their lives. They're not worried at all about what assets they're creating for sharing afterwards, or even again, in the moment, they can simply forward things on. And the result that really makes us so happy is when people leave that experience and they talk about their favorite experience, basically being able to, to keep their phones off and kind of, you know, just spend the time with their kids, spend the time with their, their parents even. So that's sort of the physical to digital, perhaps. I think from a digital to physical space, it's really cool to design digital product with Marcelo uh, at the helm because Marcelo as a trained architect thinks in this really cool sequential and spatial, almost three-dimensional way. And so we really like imagining time and space as digital experience. One example would be work for a hospital that we, we've done, the Mount Sinai Hospital in New York, where a number of tests need to happen for a patient. It's actually 19, I believe 19 tests Half of them approximately happen before as a digital app where you're doing a, a test about your sleep, a test about your nutrition, some, some sort of tests that we've, we've created a UI on top of to allow you to report all kinds of stuff about your health. 
and make it into kind of a game. And it's step by step as you're kind of progressing through. The second half are all physical. So they're in a doctor's office in this sort of lab environment that we built. And the digital experience really just extends through in physical space. So those are two examples that are pretty specific. I don't know if you guys want to pick that one up. I think there is an interesting discussion about when we separate these two walls, you know, like the brick and mortar and the physical space and the digital world as two separate things that sometimes will cross or, or, or actually be superimposed. We see right now we are facing a transformation that all these two worlds are becoming one unique universe, you know, one unique tool and space that you need to navigate. Sometimes the interface will be something that you will be pre present, you will touch, you experience, experience things, and the other world will use, you need to use an interface like a digital tool, like your smartphone, your tablet. We like to see these projects as one unique world, but you have different touch points, the different interface. Sometimes you access this world through digital, again, screen, or you actually need to be there and live. So the thing we try to work in the project is trying to remove the frictions that we can see that in some physical space and some digital worlds and, and actually highlight the things that you need to use correctly. I can give you one super silly example, like in a brick and mortar store, traditional one, and you go and you need to, once you experience, experience the product and you decide to buy, you need to go in a cashier and pay. All the high-end brands actually have a digital solution for this, you know, you have a safe for, and these will become the right final solution will be to have a digital tool. You don't need to, after you pick the product, you need to expand timing, expand time paying, go in a cashier and pay this stuff. The, the, the end of the experience should be once you decide, I want this product, and then this should consume less than one second after you, this decision. So for sure, all the stores, the, the majority of the brands are actually solving this, but all these smaller venues, you know, the smaller stores will actually accomplish this too. You don't need to expend time, your time, after you make the decision that you want that product or whatever you want, expend time paying, you know, going online and talk with somebody and paying this. This will, for sure, a digital tool will make this happen in less than one second. So we try to see the, the experience as um, storytelling that we need to actually use digital or physical tools to accomplish the desire of the user. Excellent. Okay. Lucas, did you have some thoughts to offer on that too? Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting when I think about physical space and some of the most successful spaces that that I've been to that are successful in the physical world because they're successful in the digital world. It, it's interesting because they're not that great physically, right? I, I feel like a lot of physical spaces, when you think about especially the the experiential economy and museums and attractions and things like that. I, I went to one the other day, actually, in, in Miami, brand new space that opened. And when you're there, it's it's not that interesting. Um, it's not that powerful. But when you take a picture of the specific place or the specific piece that you're in, 
it's super powerful because it's actually designed for photography. And therefore, it feels like the, the decision makers that are designing the space are actually much more concerned about the impact that that space is going to have online than the actual sentiment that it will generate for the people that are present. And what's interesting is that if you observe the people, they actually spent most of the time looking at the sp space through the lens of the phone, which obviously generates a very different experience. And I think what we have excelled at and have succeeded when Noah describes the color factory, for example, which incentivizes you to actually put away technology and be present, or when he, when he describes Lab 100, which also incentivizes you to really engage and interact with the space that you're present, is this, this concept that is, is really alive, especially during the pandemic, where we really need to be more present in our lives and focus on the things that we're actually living, right? And I think that what we try to do is, and sort of, I think what we've been successful at doing is taking this concept of how you navigate through the digital world, but actually applying that to the physical space and making people really engage with that physical space, regardless if it's in a gym and sort of having this experience of lighting around you and being really present in that specific space and focusing on that moment, or again, through the, the medical clinic or sort of through the entertainment venue. And I think that's where we're trying to do things a little bit differently. We're not trying to get people to, to capture images on their phones so that that work can be represented digitally. We're actually trying to create engagement IRL so that people can come out and say, wow, I've, I've experienced something that's a little bit different here. And, and that's the sentiment that we want to generate. Fascinating. Yeah, this is great stuff. And, um, you know, to that point, I, I, my next question has to do with examples. And I think you guys have already touched on some of these, but here's the question. What projects are you working on that demonstrate this concept of physical meets digital and the importance of brick and mortar? Now, I think you've touched on a couple already, but I wanted to just give you a chance to toss any others out there that might be appropriate right here. Yeah, we, I, there's, a, there's a lot. I'll, I'll try to pick a couple. Let's see. So one example is that right now we are working on a design for a hospital center. It's a hospital center, a large hospital center where multiple different types of patients are coming in, including many who are very sick. And obviously there are loved ones with them or caregivers. It's a very large facility where they're having to navigate a lobby in one of the original buildings and there's multiple buildings that were added on over past decades and it can be a pretty long walk with a lot of navigation involved and so one of the things that we're trying now that's a space that people have to go they're getting care that isn't remote care you know able many patients depending on their diagnosis are actually going perhaps once twice three times a week for long periods of time and so the focus of that project for Cactus, as we sort of received this brief, there's this issue of long wait times. Overall, the user journey through that space is really not great as a patient. The lens that Cactus is applying is what Lucas and Marcelo were talking about. So how do we take digital thinking and user journey you know, mapping and user journey design thinking and figure out how we want these patients, their caregivers, their visitors, their family members, and hospital staff, doctors, et cetera, 
to feel at each part of their journey from their home, you know, from their kitchen table all the way into a treatment room. How do we want them to interact with our brand? What impressions do we want them to have of who we as a brand, as a building, as a medical system, what do we want them to be? And sort of what are these outcomes we want to design for? Obviously you want people to experience convenience, you want them to experience quality, but a big thing for Cactus coming from our backgrounds also is like, could there be fun in this? Like that's a crazy word in that scenario. Could there be educational moments? Could there be unexpected sort of surprise, you know, the right kind of surprise, but there could be moments that actually kind of delight people in their navigation of this, of this physical world. And so there's a lot of ideas there, you know, without going into too much specifics, what app can we build that again, you're using, you got an appointment next week, click this link, download an app, you're at your kitchen table, you're learning about what to expect. Okay, now the, the drop-off aisle is here. When you get out of the car, what happens at that curbside experience? Now you step into the lobby, maybe it's busy, maybe it's not. Where are we going to place people to interact with you, to help you? Where are we going to place screen-based media to interact with you? And then beyond just getting you to your destination, especially for those people who are coming back every day, again, potentially for weeks of treatment, could we have things that change? You know, could media through display technology, through audio signatures, through other things, could it be different every week when you show up? Could there be something new that you learn about the system, the building, the history, the kinds of treatments that are happening there, some cutting edge news? There's so much interesting stuff that goes on, especially in a, in a health system that gets so buried in the excuse the French, but like just the crap that we all know exists as part of navigating healthcare. How do you sort through all that and get back to some of the exciting, wonderful, interesting stuff and surface that, you know, when you're waiting for the elevator, when you're waiting for your pickup, when you're talking to someone, like there's just a lot of really cool opportunity to, to do some of that sort of, again, experience design. I think that that greatly benefits landlords. I think it greatly benefits tenants when that kind of thinking is applied to physical space. Love it. Any other thoughts on that point, uh, fellas? I think another interesting example, asking about previous projects, we did a lot of stuff for Climber. Climber is a new machine that you can do in-home exercise, but they have studios too. So I'm I'm reducing the full explanation here. So you can access the web, their website, our website. So the Climber project is a huge project, but I will I would like to highlight it's a connected home connected home gym equipment company called CLMBR Climber that Marcelo is referring yeah. to. And I I want to highlight here exactly discussing about this physical experience, you know, in a studio experience and in-home experience. And as an example, we design a lighting experience inside of the studio. It's a custom design because we want to control the experience on this environment once you use the machine and what exactly you feel there. And once you go home, how we bring that experience for an additional interface, so the brand, the digital interface itself, all the things are 
strongly related with that experience that you felt inside of the studio. And there are a lot of hints on the digital content, like the lighting effects in the digital classes are the same that you have in the studio. So you bring the feeling that you had in the studio for the digital content. Why we want to the this full timeline uh, controlled. So once you are watching the that digital content, you have vi visual hints of that experience you had inside of the studio. The lighting effect, the color mood, all these things, and we can sparkle on that user the feeling we achieve inside of the studio, the vibe with all the other people, the instructor vibe. So the digital experience will be elevated bringing that memory you had inside of the studio. So the experience itself will not be only the digital interface. We hope that once you go inside of the studio and they are planning to have several ones, you balance correctly the digital experience in home with the actual be present in a studio and receive a, a amplified version of the experience. But all the time you feel the experience in home. Okay, great. So you've used the word experience several times here as, as we've been talking. And so it ties in well with my, my next question. And I think you, you touched on this some already, but the question is this, what does an experience of things approach to design mean? And how do you connect the senses and natural elements to those digitally focused spaces? This is a really good question. I can, I can start. I, in some way, the word experience had been used for several different meanings, you know, so we can tell a little bit what we believe with what we can call it as an experience. We believe the experience will be all the things that you can actually uh, record in your memory using digital or physical tools, you know, interface. Once you record this, we can later back, bring back this, this memory and use in a different, different ways, again, using physical tools or digital tools. So we like to design spaces and digital solutions all the time, designing first what exactly the memory you want to record in, your, in the user's brain, you know, what kind of feeling we want to achieve and maybe sometimes the solution will be to build a space or maybe the solution will be to create a digital interface. So we, we several times we draw a storyboard even before to draw uh, actually the design of a space or an interface. We draw exactly what we want to achieve as an experience, as a storytelling, what we want you as a user to feel or to record as a memory on you and based on this, we know our goal and we can design so physical solutions or digital solutions. Excellent, okay. Any further thoughts on that question? Yeah, to me, I mean, the, the cool thing about Cactus is not just thinking of technology and architecture intersecting, but also allowing the projects that we work on to think bigger in general, like there's a, there's a very cool thing that happens that I feel 
humbled actually when, when this happens where big organizations with lots of real estate, lots of very experienced professionals hire us onto the team because we come in with this sort of square one, you know, tabula rasa starting point. People through our process, through the cactus work process, feel a sense of possibility and feel a sense of openness to new ideas that their organizations might not normally be able to give space for, even just in conversation. So the strategic underpinnings is what I would call that, the strategic underpinnings of these projects, the stuff that happens in the first few weeks that Marcelo is also referring to is just really special. It's a moment where people might've been working in an industry in a specific kind of space and building a typical kind of bricks and mortar you know, space for the first time in 15 years, you're thinking from square one about what could be better, sharing those ideas with us. And that allows us to go get really interesting ideas out quick, pressure test them with what we know about how it, how it happens that things actually manifest, whether they're in code or they're in steel, wood, and glass or anything in between, come back really quickly and come up with big ideas sometimes and you're asking specifically about the senses you know sometimes there's uh for example we work with a big hotel in old san juan puerto rico a couple of years ago an amazing beachfront location a historic building incredible sunsets and there's a space in the lobby that was underused on the beach and so in talking with the folks that own and run that hotel and talking with the folks that wanted to you know reimagine that space and also in spending time there in San Juan, the sunset became a really big deal to us. And the sunset was essentially the basis of an entire design sprint where how do you get that feeling that's happening out on the beach into a room? And we've made this custom full ceiling interactive lighting system that could actually look through a digital camera out at the ocean and mirror the colors of the sunset into the building. And so it would never be the same twice, you know, Tuesday's sunset looks different than Wednesdays. And if the, the people who are operating that particular sort of entertainment space, so choose every single night, the space will look different based on what the sunset outside is. Yeah, like literally bringing the outdoors indoors in that sense. But the only way that, that happens is when we get kind of working relationships with clients that allow us to quickly generate big ideas before we figure out whether they're 100% feasible, just allowing for space, multiple ideas, what really matters, who's coming, what do they really care about? That type of strategic underpinning is, is really important to what we do. Love that example. I've never been to Puerto Rico, but it sounds like I need to go. So thank you for bringing up that example. Moving on to a slightly different topic now, we're, we're all familiar with the impact of e-commerce on retail spaces and even the impact of the pandemic on, on e-commerce and on retail spaces. So just a question here, do you think retail spaces are dead? My guess is no, but what, what's, what's the future of retail spaces? Retail is definitely not dead. Retail is a category of built space that will continue to exist, whether that space is dedicated to moving as much product as possible. I think that concept of retail may be 
not dead, maybe dying, maybe slowly decreasing in importance, right? We all know that there's tremendous convenience to be had through online buying of things. There are lots of categories where online doesn't make sense. And even for the categories where online does make sense, there's so much opportunity in physical space to make meaningful brand relationships with consumers that no, retail is not dead. Retail is just going to change into something that involves more marketing in the traditional sense, like establishing brand impression, establishing connection to people. I think we're going to see lots more retail wherein sales are not the key performance metric, if that makes sense. What else can you measure in physical space that actually matters to your bottom line, especially if you're a company that's doing most of your business online anyway? That's exactly. a question that retailers should be asking. And there's all kinds of cool creative answers, some of which are already out there in the world and others of which are floating in our heads right now and in others. But you know, again, it's, it's extremely dependent on the category, right? If you're selling cars or you're selling toothbrushes, you're going to have a very different answer to that question. But there are already cool examples out there, even on those ends of the spectrum. I mean, there are physical spaces dedicated to, to software, to things that literally there are no, there aren't even physical aspects that are kind of interesting. I think of retail, you know, Facebook has retail. Facebook has, and Spotify has retail. Now you're as a, as a every day-to-day consumer, you're not going there, but as an ad buyer, you are. There are physical retail shops for Facebook ads. If you want to advertise, if you go to one of their, their sales centers, you look at what smart, again, sort of a, an antiquated term now, but clicks to bricks retailers are doing. Like I worked with Casper in the early days, thinking about what it would mean to have a better experience trying out mattresses. No mattresses are for sale. At least they weren't in the early days. You have to go back and log on to casper.com if you want to actually buy a mattress. So I think admitting to ourselves as retailers that there are other jobs for storefronts to do is the key. That's what's changing. I have thoughts on this, which I'll, I'll elaborate. I have two, two thoughts. This idea of the relationship, I think, is a super important key concept. I think it ties into exactly what Marcelo was, descri- was describing in, in the Climber project. Climber is selling machines, exercising machines online. You can go online and you can actually purchase them. But why did they decide to actually build a Climber studio, which is essentially a, a location to show off their product and build a relationship with their customer, right? You go in, you can actually test the Climber. You can look at merchandise. You can get a feel for the brand and identify with the brand. But not only that, you can actually go into a class and you can have this insane experience as you're exercising, very similar to what you would do in a nightclub, you know, but it's healthy. uh, It's good for you. You feel amazing afterwards. I have a parallel to an experience I had when I was, I think, 13 years old. I went to my first concert. It wasn't even a very good band. It was a band called No Doubt, and it was the first concert I ever went to. Um, Great band. And after, well, you knock it. Yeah. Are you knocking No Doubt on the record here? <laughs> you know, it's it's not known <laughs> as an amazing band. I I, I like their music, and, and but, but as I as I went to the to the concert, 
you know, I, I had this experience of going to my first concert and during much time afterwards, the vividness of what I had experienced as my first concert was, was very alive in my mind. And therefore I associated that experience to, to a lot of joy, to something that I had never been through. And therefore I bought a sweater, I bought a t-shirt, I kept buying their CDs at the time. And I think that is the perfect analogy to what brands that are successfully doing this are, are actually executing, right? You can buy Climber online, but you actually go um, to one of their locations to, to feel what that product is, to understand what it is, and to now have an experience that is associated to that product. When you go back home and you actually get on the Climber, you remember this fantastic journey you had with them. And they want to replicate that through other locations in the U.S. And I think that also applies to some level to what Noah uh, described on with Casper and the work that he did in the past and to some of the work that we've done with Nike and other brands in the past. So I think that's, that's a really interesting concept of, of the brand relationship. Obviously, it's not new, but as we get better as a society to, to integrate storytelling um, and storytelling through the use of technology in physical space, I think that's that becomes just in general more successful. And the other reason, just to finish off the two ideas, I think retail is not dead, is that you know there is this, and this is obviously a bigger conversation, but I'm just gonna drop it here for a second. There's this idea of what Amazon is becoming to a lot of people, which is essentially the benevolent monopoly, right? And I think that more and more people are realizing that there's a trade-off between the commodity and being very comfortable of buying from Amazon, but we're also starting to feel the impact of what that means in our neighborhoods, in, in the stores that we used to shop in, in the libraries. And I think that, you know, for example, as a parent, I love to go to the bookstore and take my child to that bookstore and I would play with my child in that bookstore and I would read them books. But if I only buy from Amazon, that bookstore will become extinct. And so will a lot of other shops that I have these experiences with my friends, with my family. And I think that people are realizing that more and more. And I think that, yes, we want to buy in the comfort of our zones, but within retail is actually where we have connections in real life. And I think that will continue to be tremendously important. And I think our job as designers is to incentivize people to facilitate that connection and to make that experience even stronger by bringing the elements of architecture, of brand strategy, and of technology and giving people something to remember. So that's the other reason why I think brick and mortar and retail will not go extinct because I, I do believe that people are, are starting to realize what only buying from basically major tech companies means. Excellent, Lucas. Thank you for those perspectives. And as we start to wrap up here, gentlemen, here, here's my last question. It's really, it's really two questions. Can you give examples of brands, brands that you know of, brands that you work with that achieve the balance between human interaction and the digital world well, that they achieve that balance well? And what's the secret to striking that balance in your projects? Any thoughts on that one? The greedy good question let me let, before i answer exactly one example one brand that achieve i i would like to frame uh, my answer better 
in a sense that in some way we are in a, all the time we are in transition moment, you know, the human evolution, you know, we are changing our environment, but we are experiencing right now the time that we consume to change our environment is super fast. I'm not talking about only the climate change, but all the things around us, you know, if we see the history of smartphones, we are talking about less than 20 years, you know, so we, this is a really, really small time frame in our evolution, you know, as a human. So we are experiencing right now a lot of different transitions and a lot of different changes in all sorts of fronts, you know, in our relationship, family relationship, buying stuff, retail, all, all the things. So I believe we are in the, not exactly in the peak of the transition, but, and plus the pandemic accelerates this reality, all the things that we, uh, in some way, open our eyes about human relationships, how we live globally, all these things are more clear, you know, after these several months of pandemic. So I'm saying that whatever we believe right now, it's a kind of final decision, you know, like, okay, this will survive, or this model will be the final one, you know, for, for retail. All of these, it's not exactly, we cannot assume that we will write right now the perfect solution because we are now facing a really amazing transition in human history you know all the things are changing the amazon as lucas said changed all the ways that we buy stuff but at the same time we are facing now do we want this or do we want to go back or actually shift a little bit to be present so Personally, I don't think I can give you one unique example like, okay, this brand achieved the best thing because I believe all of us are feeling and being in a really interesting transition time. All the things need to change in all the, the different markets, all the different environments. And I, sorry, I want to go back a little bit in our previous, previous question about if the retail is dead, but the thing is, we must, in one thing that will die will be the different markets and products. So the retail itself, as we said, we don't believe for sure is not, is not dead, but some markets will, will change. So I, I would like to use an example that once we open the time frame, the history time frame for a bigger time, we can see how the things change. Like before you had you know, the ice maker and once the person invented the fridge, the market of ice disappeared, you know, because you have a new product. So I'm, I'm using a really old example to, so like the typewriter machine, you know, all, all the world was using time, time, typewriter machine, but you have the computer. These will disappear for sure. So we are talking about products and tools and things that you consume. These will change because you change our, how we live in the world. But the retail experience that you go and talk with a person and actually you exchange one thing, you are exchange your time, time your, is your money, you are exchanged by a product produ produced by this, that company. You are making this exchange. And this relationship, the retail ex existence, like you buy something or you exchange your time and your money by a, for a product, this will never die. We can change the tools to make this exchange and we'll sometimes do this 
exchange through a digital experience and sometimes through a physical world. But this exchange will never die. We need to live with the, this exchange. You know, we need to exchange stuff. Sometimes we'll be, and, and we can discuss, this will be a longer discussion for another talk, but we exchange, exchange this based on money, but we exchange, exchange this based on time. You know, based on my time, I can exchange your time. So it's a bigger discussion, but what I'm trying to say that retail is like exchange experience and this will never die. This can happen in a physical space and a digital space, but the retail itself will never die. Sorry, I'm thinking. I'll, I'll riff on what you're saying, Marcelo, because I think that the, the reality is that we all understand that digital shopping, online shopping has this tremendous convenience aspect to it, but there are also just a lot of components to buying things other than convenience. And many of those things don't go well online at home. The problem with the dichotomy between physical retail spaces and online shopping is that they aren't blended together. There are so many categories for which it would just be much easier and better if there was a store where nothing was for sale, but everything was triable. And if you were buying something, again, I, I don't know, I thought of toothbrushes earlier. You actually want to go and like feel the toothbrushes. Not, not that you're going to be able to try out toothbrushes, of course, but if there are 50 different kinds of toothbrushes in your local pharmacy, it's you don't want to buy that online if you have a particular type of toothbrush that you like. Perhaps toothbrush wasn't the best example, but I think people understand my point. There's infrastructure for ideal retail experiences that has to exist in physical space. And that's what we should be using physical space for. And everything else should happen that doesn't need physical space online. And I think the issue is, is now only that retailers haven't been able to adapt to that reality and the new expectations, you know? There are very few products which actually make sense to carry out of a physical store in a world where delivery is cheap. And there's, a, there's an ecological aspect to that, which we're not touching on, of course. But again, I think that the, the point stands. Okay, excellent thoughts all on, on that last question. So wrapping up now, gentlemen, I would just like to thank you again for, for being on the podcast today with, with me and with Cornet Global and for sharing all your, all your knowledge and experience and, and project work uh, with us. It's great to uh, learn more about this important topic, the evolution of brick and mortar, and to get these, these very helpful uh, perspectives. So thanks again for uh, speaking with Cornet Global today. We appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Talk about this all day. <laughs> thank you, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Thanks so much for joining. Thank, thank you, you, Tim. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you. Great, thank great you. talk. Thank you so much. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.